Welcome to Bloody Mary, a podcast about horror movies, sexuality, and feminism. I'm your host, comedian Kristen Lighty. And with us today, we have Austin's own Austin Smart. Hello. Hello. How are you doing? Good. Why don't you tell the people a little bit about who you are, what you do? Uh, I'm a 26-year-old queer trans girl living in Austin, Texas. Um, I do stand-up comedy, which is how I know Kristen. We're on the same comedy festival right now. It's a lot of fun. <laughs> and let's see, other than that... I have a boring day job, an adorable puppy, and then I also am the co-host of the Gender Fluids podcast, which you can find on iTunes or Spotify or wherever you want. Yeah, Uh, and that's uh, co-hosted with Ariel Norman, who is also on the Altercation Festival, and it's super funny. It's a good Um, little project, man. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, and Austin, you are so funny as well. I remember first seeing you uh, the first time I came to Austin the City Mm -hmm. at, I think it was the Velveeta Room. Oh, man. And I was just like, who is this? She is so funny. Oh, my God. Yeah, what show was that? I remember that show because I was excited about being on the Velveeta Room because it was, I think it was my first showcase there. I think that was my first showcase. And there were a bunch of Chicago people on this showcase. There were three or four of you. Yeah, it was me and Carmen Nyberger and Yes. Yes. I don't remember who else it was. There was but some dude there also. There's always a dude. <laughs> um. <laughs> yeah, it's like, this is a fucking given. Of course, there's a dude. Was he a straight white guy from Chicago? What? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Shocker. You <laughs> couldn't believe it. Uh, and I think Avery Moore was hosting. Was it Sad Trombone? I bet it yeah! was Avery Sad yes! Trombone, is what it was. Oh but yeah, yeah, that was it. That Damn. was fun. Yeah, and I've kept tabs on you over the years. Oh, thanks. You're so funny. Yeah, that was like three years ago. Yeah. I'm super excited to have you on the podcast. Yeah, I remember being nervous about that show because it was like, that. you know, that was my first year doing stand-up. Oh, my God. Shut up. Really? Yeah. yeah, You were amazing. Yeah, so that was my first like big showcase at the Velve. Probably one of my first real showcases ever. And so I was super fucking nervous. Like, oh, shit, I got to like, got to do my best, like really pull it out. Like now looking back on it's like... Oh, it's just a five-minute set at this like show, like Friday night showcase or Thursday night showcase. Yeah, <laughs> is not it not need funny, to worry? Like looking back on things and how much they mattered to you, and now it's like, eh, meh. Yeah, yeah. I still have conversations with like uh, comics that I started out with about us hanging out when we first like kind of became friends and started doing comedy, and how much pressure we put on ourselves for or, like the dumbest fucking sets. Just mm-hmm. like things we were like, like the first, the first time I got on like the Velve open mic, I thought I like had to fucking prepare or I was never <laughs> getting back on. And then if I did bad, everyone would hate me. And then it was like, oh no, like in that room, man, you can fucking flip a coin and hit someone that's done horribly. <laughs> I feel the same way about the Laugh Factory mic in Chicago. Like it's something I thought that was so important and would lead to such big things. And I was like, no. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So funny. Uh, so I was watching your set the other night. And you grew up here in Texas. I did, yeah. I'm born and raised in Texas. In a smaller town, right? Yeah, I grew up in a tiny town called Bonham, Texas. Bottom? Bonham? Bonham. B-O-N-H-A-M. Oh, like John Bonham. Uh, yeah, like John Bonham. Uh, I wish it was named after him. That'd be way cooler. <laughs> it was named after this dude, James Butler Bonham, oh. uh, who was at the... Ellie, really, you pick right now? Cute puppy interaction. Yeah, go over there. Normally when I'm recording, my cats come and like rub their faces on the microphone. So you hear like a little bell. It's just like I've done this enough to know that in the background you hear like chink, chink, chink of her trying to lick the bowl cleaner than it already is. It's like really you pick till now when there's another person to show off in front of. You want to assert your dominance that way. I have to express myself in yeah. my heart. Yeah. But no, Bono was named after this dude from the Alamo and pretty sure he was racist and 
owned slaves. I don't know if he did, but I'm just going to assume it's, Texas. it's pretty, yeah. yeah, again, kind of like people who don't do well at the Velve. You can flip a coin and hit a bad set, you know, <laughs> one in two or more than that, you know? Mm-hmm. So, so I'm very curious. So how did you get into stand-up comedy? I was just a comedy nerd growing up. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I lived in the middle of nowhere. Like it was a tiny town of maybe 9,000 people. It grew up, it got bigger as I was getting older. So when I left, there were 9,000. I don't think there was that wow, when I was that like, tiny. yeah. And like, I remember when we got a McDonald's, there had to be police control the first day. There were so many people. Yeah. That's not a fucking joke. They had to direct traffic and shit. So the, this is the small town. So like, I remember getting the internet and like my parents always had interesting senses of humor. My dad's always had a great sense of humor about like just classic, silly, dumb jokes, good jokes, good comedy. And my mom says she doesn't like stand up comedy or comedy, but she won't, she'll laugh at things that are only super fucked up while mm. she's saying that's so fucked up or that's messed up or they shouldn't say that but she'll be <laughs> laughing so like that's where my sense of humor kind of came from was just going up watching comedy with them and like when we finally got cable because mm. forever it was just snl and like a few things like that that i could get my hands on but yeah we got cable and i was able to watch comedy central specials mm. and i was like the kid and like you know, sixth grade that would watch the special ones, but like memorize it in like one go and then like retell the whole thing tomorrow at school. Uh, and, and then once the internet came, uh, we got the internet and HBO at the same time. Right. Was there a riot? Oh, I mean, it was, it was crazy for me. Cause like that was the year that, uh, George Carlin's it's bad for you came out. And I didn't, I didn't know who George Carlin was at the time. Right. Mm -hmm. So whatever year that was, was the year I really got the internet Mm. (laughs) okay, Mm -hmm. and got HBO and was able to like, I sat down and watched it cause I'd known I liked comedy central and saw that this was like a thing coming on. Right. And I would just remember like not knowing who he was, but just being like, Oh my going to school next to be like, guys, there's this really old guy who just says like a lot of really dirty stuff. He doesn't care about cursing. Like, it's super mm-hmm. cool. He's such an old guy. I didn't know he'd been around for fucking ever. Right. But like, mm-hmm. I remember like that and Dave Chappelle's killing him softly. And, uh, Oh, there was a few other specials that just like changed the way I thought about comedy and like made me realize like, Oh, I love this. Like I like this method of like performance like I enjoy retelling these jokes at school. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's really what kind of kickstarted it. I was just a comedy nerd. And then once I like, you know, got a computer I could use the internet on that wasn't like the family computer mm-hmm. uh, or found, you know, school computers to go find things on and YouTube became a thing. Mm-hmm. I just started digging and trying to find all the stand up I could. Cause I just, yeah, nerded out about it. I didn't think that would ever be a thing I did. Mm-hmm. And I didn't really start doing stand up until I was like out of college. Uh, like I'd done performances and done stand-up joke r- bits and routines in front of people or for like open mic, like talent show type things. But it wasn't like a, one day I want to be a comedian. It was more of like a, well, I think I'm a funny person, so I'm going to go and just do this and entertain. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then once I got, uh, I went on a bad Tinder date <laughs> and with someone <laughs> who ended up, turned out being an Austin comic and they told me that. And like in my head, I was like, okay, well, if like this motherfucker's doing comedy, like there's no reason I shouldn't go and try and like, at least like do it. Like if I've been thinking about it this much, like I should try and do it. It'd be fun. Mm-hmm. And I went and I did it. And you know, my first open mic was at Beerland in oh. Austin, Texas. Chris Cubis was still working there. I love that venue. Yeah. I'd taken too much Vivance earlier that day. Cause I was nervous and wanted to be prepared. <laughs> and so just like read my like set off a napkin, like in front of my face the whole time. 
And after that, I was like, all right, well, I have to do it again now. Oh, yeah. It's like addictive. Yeah. I mean, I've always liked performing, right? I was in theater and mm. I, I always enjoyed like being like MCs of talent shows like in middle school and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And so I was always good at speaking. I did like competitive speech and things. Ooh. So cool. it never, I always liked that feeling. But yeah, once I got off stage for the first time, like doing stand up, I was like, it was probably also the vibe ants, but, <laughs> but just, just being like, oh, dude, I want to do that again. Never again on Vivance. Not a good feeling. Mm-hmm. Like uppers and comedy for me don't don't work that well. Uh, so I'm curious, what is the first horror movie you remember seeing? Oh, man, I mean, technically, I didn't see the whole thing. Technically, I accidentally walked in on some people watching. Uh, alien too oh okay for aliens i guess mm-hmm. it would be aliens mm-hmm. um but they very quickly realized i was hiding behind the couch trying to watch <laughs> and kick me out so they're like this is not appropriate for you mm-hmm. and then after that i don't really remember watching anything any scary movies i've always been a very uh easy person to not like scare like jump wise but like i empathize hard with movies mm. and so like, as, as a little kid, I had to sleep the lights on if I watched too much Scooby-Doo and shit, right? Oh. You know? Yeah, like, <laughs> that level of it. So, I don't I don't know. I think the first, like, really, like, the proper first scary movie I remember seeing was probably Jeepers Creepers. Mm, okay. It was, like, on TV, and, like, my friend's mom was like, Austin doesn't want to watch that. And I was like, no, I'll be fine. She knew me from a little kid mm-hmm. that I would get scared easily. And so mm-hmm. I watched it with my friend and was frightened and mm. didn't sleep. <laughs> but I was like, oh, no, I can watch it. And that was my relationship to scary movies and horror movies for a long time. Mm. was, like, I kind of wanted to watch them, but knew if I did, it would fuck me up, right? <laughs> and so... Like, after I saw The Exorcism of Emily Rose, I slept on my parents' floor for, like, four days. I hate it. (laughs) See, now I've, like, grown to love, like, horror movies, but, Mm -hmm. like, I'm very specific. I don't fuck with spirits Mm. or demons or possessions. It's like, that shit, that's too real. Mm -hmm. Like, somebody, like, trying to, like, hunt me down with a chainsaw, like... At least I know how I could go about fighting that. Yeah, and but, you look fit. Like you could run yeah, very far and fast. That's the other thing. Is like, yeah, in my head's like, well, I'm not, I'm not a threat in this at all. Like I'm getting away, uh, you know. And also just, yeah, it's like I'm a great shot. I've never once dropped my fucking keys. You know, <laughs> like, I gotta feel like I have a good. You got the checklist. Yeah, you know. But yeah, spiritual stuff. It's like no, nah, too close to possibly being real. I'm mm-hmm. not going there. Like, I thought my apartment was haunted two weeks ago. Like, Oh, really? Convinced. What did you, what was going on? So we just moved in here, right? And so the first thing that really fucked me up and, like, made me worried was I, I started waking up in the mornings with bruises around my oh. wrists. Whoa. Yeah. Right? See, that's fucking freaky. That is. So I was like, okay. Like, I, I didn't have rough sex last night. And so I wasn't sure what was going on. Like, I did some of the times I woke up had sex the night before him, but wasn't like rough, rough sex. So mm-hmm. I was like, hmm, interesting. And then I realized it's an old like two-story place, right? Our neighbors, the way sound throws through the pipes living next to us, it doesn't make it sound like the noises next to you. If they're walking up their stairs to our right, it sounds like they're above us in my room. Oh, weird. The sound throws really weirdly, yeah. Because like I can hear, if my neighbors are listening to like Cumbia in the kitchen, I can hear it in my upstairs bathroom perfectly. Hmm. The way the pipes and the ventilation kind of all hook together. 
yeah, it's odd. So I was hearing that in combination with these bruises on my wrist. And I was like, okay, my apartment might be haunted and mm-hmm. I might have to move out of here. Like this is fucking. Which is a shame because it's beautiful. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, I love this place. It's one of my favorite places I've lived now. But then I found out, I went to my doctor and I was like, okay, I need you to be real <laughs> with me here. I might sound crazy here, but I'm just going to toss this out there because this is the only thing. Because I could have Googled it. But I was like, I'm going to my doctor in a few days. So I'll just ask her. I was like. Because I'm taking hormones, right, for transition. I was like, can taking hormones make me bruise more easily? She was like, yes, definitely. Mm. I was like, so even if someone just lightly grabs my wrist, she's like, yeah, you're just turning into a person who you don't know what you're going to bruise like now. I was oh. like, fuck, man. So that, But I had had sex the night before where my, my wrist had kind of been touched, but not grabbed or anything, mm-hmm. right? And so I was like, that's what it was, though. And it's just, and then weeks later, I figured out about the sound getting thrown at a separate time. Yeah. So I was like, okay, house isn't haunted. But for a second there, I was just like genuinely waking up seeing bruises on my wrist because I don't, before this, have not bruised easily. Yeah. It's taken some force like to really kind of like hurt me. That's a good thing. You talk to your doctor instead of just burning it down. Yeah. (laughs) It's like I'm lighting a pile of sage in the middle of this motherfucker with a trail of gasoline upstairs and getting out. (laughs) Purifying and burning it down at the same time. You know, it's funny. I'm I'm an atheist and like I don't believe in ghosts, but yet I am also someone who's very superstitious, so I don't know how these things coexist in my brain. Like cuz I'm not I feel like if I say I don't believe in ghosts, then they'll come and fuck with me harder. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I don't tempt that bullshit. I don't yeah. fuck with that. It's just no. Exactly. I'm going to give you credit. Let's like when that started happening, my first thought, I was like, I should just like claim my space and just be like, fuck you, ghost, like out loud, like mm-hmm. claim it back. Like, this is my space. But then I was like, um, I, don't, I don't know if I want to fuck with that ghost like that. Yeah, like, and it goes all poltergeist. Yeah, I was like, what if it, what if, and then in my head, I'm like really thinking like, well, what if it is a ghost, but like it's a, ends up being a chill ghost that like kind of just hangs out occasionally and doesn't really fuck with us anymore. Like once I draw some boundaries. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like your third roommate. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Fourth, including the puppy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and that's the thing is like she would wake up in the middle of the night and just stare off oh, in a cool corner. That's weird. She, yeah, and I was just like, Ellie, what are you seeing over there? And she like wouldn't look away. And I was just like, dude. Did you see that video on Twitter of the guy in New York in the apartment who like every night at like twelve thirty? Oh, I've looked into something? all that. Like you're talking about that. My back now just got cold shivers, and I'm feeling it's so uncomfortable. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, it's fine. Anyway, new topic. No, no, no. I like I I went like that. Yeah, that Twitter feed goes on forever. Yeah. Oh, I watched and listened to everything. Was it's so genuinely creepy. frightened. Yeah, I've never been creeped out. I mean, like, well, obviously, incels on Twitter are creepy, but like, I've never been scared in a way like that on Twitter. Yeah, which is weird. So yeah, no, uh, yeah, that's that's a prime example of why I'm like I'm not gonna fuck with it. Yeah. I'm not and like watching it in scary movies is a little too close to real. But I love. I love gore, like gratuitous gore and blood, and I like campiness in general. You know, Mm -hmm. just being a queer camp is awesome. Mm -hmm. Like, it's an aesthetic that I'm very fond of, and so that popping up in horror movies is wonderful. Like, but I don't know. That kind of goes counter to like the pick I brought in, but that's why I brought it in. Yeah. So for (laughs) us to talk about today, Austin chose the 2015 French film Raw, which is about a family of vegetarians whose daughter goes to vet school uh, with her older sister. And then it kind of becomes like a sexual awakening, um, a very violent sexual awakening. And it's just her story of this. And, And there are full spoilers on Bloody Mary. So if you haven't seen it, go watch it right now and come on back. And why? Why Raw? What made you choose it? 
So, I mean, it it was just one of those movies that I went and watched because I, I just had, like, some friends be like, dude, it's a great, like, powerful, queer, lesbian movie or something like that. And it's like, you know, these all these good things about it. I was like, okay, cool. And, like, I don't know. I like weird foreign movies, and this mm-hmm. seemed like it was going to be one of those, and it was an interesting premise, so I like, went and watched it. But it just, yeah, it was not what I was expecting when I first watched it, and it kind of it kind of took me by surprise and kept me surprised the entire time I was watching it. Mm-hmm. And unlike most other horror movies, I feel like it, it doesn't ne- kind of exclude people from who it can scare. So, like, some people mm. are like, I don't like gratuitous gore. It's like, well congratulations there's no gratuitous gore in this movie really mm-hmm. it's like you'll see worse stuff on the walking dead than in this movie oh for sure and it's like oh well i don't really like jump scary things it's like also congratulations no jump scare no spirituality it's like a very kind of controlled kind of setting that they put this like horror movie in of like yeah a veterinary school in france your main character's 16 years old and her older sister's probably like what like 18 19 mm-hmm. now like an old upperclassman in the school mm-hmm yeah, I just thought it was a super interesting setting and kind of, yeah, I was like, my mom wouldn't, doesn't like horror movies, so I would never show it to her, but it's like, I wouldn't feel super weird showing this to my mom necessarily, right? Like, mm-hmm. I feel like Black Swan is more like vulgar in a lot of ways than this movie is. Mm. So Yeah, I think the thing that surprised me most about this movie was the veterinary school itself, because it's like... It seems like they have these like crazy parties where they do drugs and drink every yeah. night. And it's like, how are they getting away with this? <laughs> oh, one, it's France. So like, let's be I wanna real. I want to go to France, yeah. apparently. <laughs> <laughs> Who is it? Oh, man. It was Ellen. Ellen had a joke about it. Ellen had Michael Che and Colin Jost on and they did a weekday update. Mm-hmm. And in it, one of Ellen's jokes was like, uh, in France... Uh, France has recently banned all cell phones in public and middle schools. That way they have room to hold hands or cigarettes in their hands. <laughs> you know, it's just, it's a cute joke. It's like, yeah, it's like, it's France. Of course. And, you know, mm-hmm. it's like, I don't know. Like I graduated with a degree and I have a great GPA, but it's like, I also was like partying, mm-hmm. you know, I don't think it's impossible mm-hmm. to do, but yeah, the, the party scene, dude, the party scenes for me were one of the, I think are one of the most underrated scenes in this movie mm. that kind of occurred just because typically when you have like large raging party scenes, the camera works really weird. It's always like really cutty or like they're always trying to use some sort of technique, uh, like mm-hmm. camera technique to like visually generate energy. And there's a lot of usually, usually for me, like I know it's like a lot of like lighting stuff that they try and do like a lot of flashing lights. And like in this, like, they were large party scenes, but the camera's not doing the work. They really let like the people filling the scene like generate a natural party environment. Like it felt very visceral, mm-hmm. which I Almost think kind of voyeuristic in a way too. Yeah, because you're like watching it stone sober. But. Yeah, and and also I think that's a technique that like this director used throughout the whole movie, right? So, you know, you start off this movie inherently empathizing with this like person, and since it's not in- scary at the beginning you are kind of sucked in this world. So like you're just kind of watching this scene and letting the energy of the scenes come to you like they do in that party scene. And then as the movie goes on and you're already empathizing with this college freshman who's like getting hazed in veterinary school, mm-hmm. she, you know, she's a virgin one it's disclosed. And then two, uh, you know, she's a vegetarian. And one of the hazing things is, spoil- I guess I don't have to say spoilers, but she mm-hmm. eats like a bit of rabbit kidney breaks out in this huge rash. Oh, and then yeah. suddenly starts having cravings for meat 
mm-hmm. and then eventually human flesh and it turns into a cannibalism thing. But you don't often like see a horror movie one from the perspective of like the person that's going to end up being kind of like the villain or the mm-hmm. bad person. Right. Mm-hmm. And then two, you really don't ever see it where you're made to empathize with that person being hazed as a freshman and like having like this weird, uncomfortable sexual awakening and being mm-hmm. made fun of. And so like to, to play with people like that, I don't know. I thought it was fascinating to watch. Mm-hmm. Like just uh, also, yeah, visceral as fuck. Like I when I watched it because it was a cannibal movie, right? And I was like, ooh, we're gonna see some weird like people eating other people, and like the very kind of realistic and subtle ways in which they made it. like, okay, if you were gonna be a cannibal and get away with it, what would that look like, right? Mm-hmm. And like the way they introduce like the older sister, mm-hmm. like as a, someone who's also already discovered they're cannibal, and then <laughs> and then play off the whole narrative of like you know an older sister leading a younger sister into womanhood, both sexually and then as cannibals together, and like showing her how she goes about eating people and killing them and trapping them to do it. Like it was it was just when I watched just such a smart movie. Yeah. Sorry, I, you guys. This is a long. So I'm like, why'd you bring it up? It's like, oh, so many reasons. Like, no, for sure. I, I want to jump into that bond between the two of them, the sisters, yeah. and like how she is kind of like her mentor into this sense of uh, cannibalism. Yeah. And then there's the party scene where she kind of turns on her and makes her like a joke for the rest of the party when she's like dangling the corpse's arm. Yeah. And saying, "Bite it, bite it," and she's really fucked up. Yeah. Justine is. And people are filming it. And like that scene really took me by surprise. See, it didn't to me. It makes sense. So, I mean, for me, it's just like, you know, I think it plays into that classic stereotype or not a stereotype for a real reason, but the relationship between sisters that, you know, Do you, you have sisters. Yeah. I have two little sisters. Oh, okay. I yeah. don't have any. I've never. So maybe that's why I'm like, okay. I don't get it. And see, well, I don't have this relationship with my little sisters because I didn't grow up a sister with them, right? But mm-hmm. I know they definitely kind of have had, not had this, they've been different, but I've just talked to people about this and seen this. It's like you have your home relationship that like you try and nurture and like help the other like sister through a thing. But then also it's like you're still trying to be a fucking person out in the real world and like in this situation, I feel like, you know, she's one of the cool kids and wants to still be a cool kid. Right. Mm. And you'll throw your sister under the bus for that sometimes. Right. Oh. And that's this kind of fucked up thing that like I've seen portrayed in other movies like that. And then heard written, seen written, heard written about good Lord <laughs> have seen written about and things like that. Like it's a kind of common trope, but uh, yeah, it made sense to me. And also the other, this is more me reading into it, but it's like, so, you know, this movie plays with several taboos, right? taboos in mm-hmm. like our culture like most notably cannibalism mm-hmm. right but this girl at this point ha- is kind of accepting that she's a cannibal and like is gonna eat a person or a thing or something and so i'm just like once you unlock that part of your mind like once you have to come to terms with that part of yourself what else does it then open you up to trying to accept into like your like worldview of things that you could do and are acceptable and one of those things might be like maybe in this girl's head, it leads her to be able to do that emotional flip-flopping, right? 
where on the one hand she is like very caring to her sister, but I also eat people. So I don't have a problem flipping on you for my own benefit at some mm. point. Right. That's yeah. Cause like yeah, even in this, there's like a lot of, there's no explicit incest, but there is like a lot of incestuous tension between her and her sister at several different points. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think that again, is purposeful because it's like, we're hitting on like the, you know, at least three of the four big taboos in like our culture. So murder, rape, incest, cannibalism are the four kind of big kind of what I would call human taboos. Right. Mm -hmm. And so they hit on three of those where it's like, you know, murder, incest, cannibalism, you're killing people to eat them and you're doing it with your sister who you have this really intimate, like pussy waxing scene. Oh God. Yeah. yeah, Uh, And like, you know, and so it's just like, like, yeah, it's, it's a crazy movie for that reason. Like I, I think it, it does things a lot of other films don't. Mm-hmm. For those yeah, reasons. I rewatched it this morning, and I uh, I realized like how like much sexual tension and uh, like uncomfortableness there was for me oh, watching it. it was like, yeah, <laughs> especially the waxing scene. Like I'm not a waxer, so just watching it, I was like, oh, oh god, oh, anybody get stuck? Yeah, I mean, uh, no, thank you. Yeah, and that's you know, on the one hand, it's not really weird for two sisters necessarily to help themselves like help each other like that's a thing that i know has happened before right Mm -hmm. it's totally fine but it's like boy within that context it felt odd you know just Mm -hmm. felt oh it also like in some circumstances felt like maybe the older sister was trying to push justine into a more sexual role that she didn't really want to step into uh, yeah, definitely. It definitely felt like in both cannibalism instance and her virginity, like, and like se- coming into her own sexuality, which I think the two are parallel purposely, mm-hmm. right? Like they mm-hmm. take same trajectories kind of as the movie progresses. I think they did that because the older sister, you know, came here first, realized how that this was part of who she was. And she couldn't deny it. Right. Mm-hmm. Again, great parallel with sexuality mm-hmm. uh, and that mm-hmm. you should just, you need to embrace it. Once you do, you'll be happier and you can learn to deal with it. Well, yeah, I think that's why she was doing that kind of sexual pushing was because she was like, just like this cannibalism thing, you're going to like this more. Like, you are like me, right? Mm-hmm. And then you get to the end of the movie and you find out, you know, that after the mother is also a cannibal and it's supposedly like hereditary or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it's like... And Dad shit, is so chill with it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, he's got chunks taken out of him and shit. He's just like, yeah, you know, sometimes we have me barbecues and... <laughs> I do the marinating, obviously. <laughs> I lay in a bathtub full of salt and uh, some Worcestershire sauce. And <laughs> I love what he says to her, scenes. too. He's like, I'm sure you'll find a solution, honey. Like, it's, yeah. it's just an issue you have to deal with growing up. No big deal, kiddo. Yeah, and it sees the same type of thing as, like, yeah, sexuality or, like, being emotional, like, as you, like, learn to, like, deal with, like, hormones and things like that. It's like, oh, well, you'll find a solution, which mm-hmm. is, like, pretty bad parenting advice. <laughs> and that really, he's like, look, I know, I'm glad you're a cannibal. Your sister's just been arrested for eating your gay roommate <laughs> that you just fucked. But, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, that all happens in the movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, you'll find a solution. Just, mm-hmm. like, kind of, like, not touching it. You just... Like your mom's already eating me. So yeah. I'm going to let you do you. You figure out how you're going to do that. I do. I love that final scene between the sisters where she pushes, pushes her mauled cheek up to the window. And then the sister like holds up her half a middle finger, her Rahm Emanuel finger, if you will. Yeah. And it's kind of this moment of like, yeah, we hurt each other, but like we really love each other. It was, yeah. it was really beautiful in a way. Yeah, I liked it. Was. it. 
Okay, let's but, talk about Adrian. Uh, and, the gay uh, man? Yes. Yeah, what about um, him? So, like, her, his, Justine's relationship with Adrian is so, like, like, they're really close friends, and she wants it to be more, I think, because she feels safe with him and wants to explore her sexuality. But, you know, obviously, he's like, I'm gay. But then they have sex. Um, Again, I think it's that French, like, I'm gay, but it's like, yeah, but we're friends. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, just, that, I don't know why that was Transylvania and all of a sudden <laughs> <laughs> French just went vampire real hard. I really related to it in a way uh, because as a young lady, my first, like, hardcore crush was on Scott Thompson mm-hmm. from Kids in the Hall. Yeah. And all my friends were like, um. <laughs> Boy, do we have bad news for you. <laughs> But there is don't t- don't tell her. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I think that, you know there is something about like there's a certain sense of safety in what Adrian represents. You know that he's not like the other teenage boys. Yeah, I don't know. Um, for me, I did see him as that like new safe guiding figure of like. Uh, like, hey, like, look how cool I am with all the things that I do. Like, mm-hmm. why can't you just kind of do that as well? Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't really, I actually I never tried to look at it like a kind of, he, she felt more comfortable with him because he was also kind of like not necessarily sexual compatible with her, right? Mm-hmm. And so that like led her to be closer to him. I don't know why I didn't read that into it. I was just like, I thought for her, she just saw someone who, was also experiencing a thing for the first time and was also just kind of different from everybody else in oh, a way. Yeah. So like the way, same way like her sexuality parallel parallels her like progression into cannibalism. His like, I think she saw like in his queerness and his like blackness, she saw his otherness like in herself, right? As they're both freshmen and being hazed mm-hmm. and like she's finding an initial comfort in that. And, like, she feels different, and he's clearly different from everybody else. And then he ends up, like, you know, this cannibalism thing comes in. and thing. But that was just my shitty reading. I really like yours better, though. That makes, that really endears him to me more. I also wonder if it's, like, a certain sense of her selfishness in that, like, she takes comfort in him, so she is going to ignore his identity and just, like, keep pushing herself on him. Because there's even that one moment where he's like, I'm gay, and, like, storms out of the room, like, to get away from her. Yeah, that's true. Fuck. It's all about white women. (sighs) (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, she really does push herself on him. I forgot about that. Mm -hmm. Oh. And, you know, now I'm like, fuck, I need to go rewatch this movie again. It's like, I've seen it two times now. Mm-hmm. And like I just spent so much time thinking about it, but I'm like, I need to go back and just sit down and watch it without thinking through it again, and just mm. see what pops out to me, like oh, through yeah. a third watch through. There's so much. Like rewatching it this morning, I was just like, oh. especially the teacher that uh, he's only in two scenes, but he pops up to fuck with Justine and just like try and take her down a peg. Yeah, and it kind of, I don't know entirely what he is there to symbolize i mean i mean an easy read for me would be like oh this is like some sort of authority figure that we all encounter it's like and that's just kind of fucking with you because really she has no good reason to she's doing a great job she's a good Mm -hmm. student and that's why he wants to fuck with her right Mm -hmm. yeah and it's just like okay well you're someone who is messing with me for a thing i know i'm good at while at the same time i'm dealing with all this other shit that is actually way more important like i know school's supposed to be the most so it's like yeah 
you know, you have a shitty boss who just won't leave you alone or like you're made to do office housework, right? Because mm-hmm. I feel like school mm-hmm. is the only safe place for her where she is excelling. Everywhere else is kind of a mess. Yeah, yeah. That's interesting. Yeah, I definitely think he is that like unnecessary authority figure that doesn't recognize you, like the inherent struggle in a lot of women's lives, right? Oh, yeah. No, mm, but... Good point. But do you have another thing? I have another thing for oh, you. Yeah. Let's do your thing. <laughs> I was just going to say, I just want to go back to like visually like the movie and like, cause there's a lot of like the content of the movie is great and the symbolism and it's great, but just like visually how it's shot, it's gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Like the color palette of the movie is somehow like simultaneously muted and vibrant. Mm-hmm. Like the use of color like bounces around all these weird places, but it's always, you always get the sense of like grayness yeah. and like desolation a little bit, but it still is colorful and like inviting in an odd way. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes like the color is the blood. Yeah. Yeah. Red, red is the most vibrant color besides like that one party scene where the freshmen are doused in blue and yellow oh, paint. Oh yeah. What a weird activity. Yeah. Don't come out until you're green. Yeah. Don't come out oh. until you're green. That was, Yeah. <laughs> But uh, that scene like stuck out to me particularly because of those colors. Like it was just an interesting color combination that's never in the movie again, really. Mm-hmm. And like, there's just this one shot of like her and was it, it wasn't Adrian who wasn't, it was some other guy that was just with her that was yeah. in her class. Mm-hmm. And like, it's just, there are two faces on either side of the screen. It's like a blue face and a yellow face. And just like, it was such a striking image because it does, it was thick paint. That was almost the same consistency of the blood they use, right? Mm, but it clearly mm-hmm. wasn't the blood. So in some way, you're like, is she liking this? Mm-hmm. Like, how's she feeling about all this liquid just being around her that's kind of blood-like? And yeah, yeah. Also, vi- the visual pacing of the movie was so pleasant. Like, it never, like, relied on cutting through scenes with mm-hmm. the camera too much to, like, impose a message. Like, it was just like, yeah... It felt very natural. Very yeah. natural. The only scene that felt jolting to me was when uh, Justine wakes up with Adrian. And before that, you didn't really see how they got into bed or anything like that. And it's almost like serene until she realizes he's dead. Yeah. And then, you know, like she goes into the other room and realizes it was a ski pole that Alex, her sister, had used. And everything kind of like comes crashing down. I know. Yeah, it is. Yeah, the movie after that takes off, right? Mm-hmm. It wraps up quickly. Mm-hmm. But like, yeah, you're right. That transition in that scene from Serene wake up to, oh shit, this is my sister. He's dead. She ate him slash killed him. Mm-hmm. It's over. Yeah, the movie really is just kind of an exploration of her coming into that cannibalism until that point. And then visually after that, yeah, the movie changes pace. Mm-hmm. And then you get that horrible parenting scene it's <laughs> like jesus christ there's also like the sex that she has with adrian is so like violent and like he she's looking for him to contain her so that like she doesn't hurt him mm-hmm. because when she wakes up next to him she's like she why didn't you fight her for back? a second yeah wait what oh yeah she yeah. thinks that she did it yeah and she's like why didn't you fight back like she's putting the onus of being hurt on him Mm -hmm. which is fucked up yeah she's victim blaming the cannibalism victim yeah Yeah. the fuck just the dead body next to her she's like this is your fault (laughs) you did this to yourself (laughs) yeah (laughs) 
Um, did any other themes jump out at you in the film? I mean, we already talked on it, but the theme of sisterhood really jumped out at me when I watched it and like, and, and really innocuous ways. So like, you know, there's a scene or two at least of them playing video games together. Mm-hmm. No- <laughs> They're like half finger. Yeah. <laughs> but it's, but I can't think of a single movie off, at least not off the top of my head where there are two women playing video games together and there's not a dude in the room. Oh my God. You're right. Huh? Right? It's just like, that's a fucking, like, that hit me, because I was like, oh, man, that looks so natural and real. Like, it's like small things like that, that happens through all throughout the movie that I think gives it this, like, such an impactful kind of feeling. It's so controlled and well thought through that, like, you don't have to worry about anything. And if you just let yourself absorb this movie, like, it's going to jump off the screen at you and, like, surprise you. Yeah, like that. Yeah, that theme of sisterhood really stuck out to me. And then also just, like... I mean, it's the same reason I love the X-Men because of ha- its heavy-handed messaging, right? Mm-hmm. Clearly, you know, God, oh, who, someone at Altercation had a great joke about it who is like, I don't like the X-Men because it's like, people are like, you know, we shouldn't be afraid of people who are different than us. He's like, look, <laughs> if somebody is this, a different gender than you, fine. If they're a different race than you, that's completely understandable. If somebody can shoot lasers out of your eyes, it's fine to be afraid of that. You named yourself after a monster. Who, wait, oh, Ariel, who's who the guy from that? Fort Collins? Oh, Ryan Knowles. Yeah, Ryan Knowles. Oh. Dude, that dude fucking, that guy made me laugh so hard. But that's why I like this, uh, this movie is because it does deal with like a coming to terms with yourself like it's a coming of age story about cannibalism mm-hmm. it's really kind of brilliant mm-hmm. uh, and, and i don't know as as much as it made me feel uncomfortable like i felt kind of like optimistic afterwards mm-hmm. <laughs> i don't, I don't yeah. think i'm a cannibal I mean, they, but yeah like, that, remained close and bonded and, yeah. yeah and you're just like oh shit man like i just went through a lot but like i kind of feel like i went through the same emotional moves that she did right from like empathizing with her plight at the beginning as a freshman coming to terms with her cannibalism and sexuality as she does. And at the end you're left with a sense of kind of resolve and okay, well now where are we going? Just like, I feel like she is like, you know, for her, that story's not over. Her sister's Mm -hmm. just in jail and her dad's like, figure it out. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) You like to eat people. So now what, (laughs) you know, we love you and support you. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Do you want to come over for dinner? Not Thursdays. That's your mom and I's thing. But any other day (laughs) on Thursday, the house is always open to you. (laughs) Uh, so what were your favorite parts of this movie um i thought the party scenes were great Mm -hmm. just because it's a thing that i always ping on in other movies is how gratuitous and inaccurate they typically are Mm -hmm. so like that i thought was super super great i thought that first time like when her sister comes out to her as a cannibal and she like steps in the middle of the road and makes the car crash Mm -hmm. that scene i thought was amazing I thought it was super cool because, yeah, it is. It's like it's a coming out story right there. Like, that's her sister telling her, like, me too. Mm -hmm. I thought that whole thing was just stunning. I'm trying to pick a third one, but it's super hard because there's a lot of just great moments in this movie. I'm just not going to do it. Mm -hmm. Everything else is coming too close for a third, but those first two are definitely probably my two favorite moments in the movie. Mm -hmm. So what about you? Uh, You know, it's a hard question, I think. My favorite part of the movie is probably where she like eats the finger for the first time. Oh, dude, that like, was ah. that fucked me up. Yeah, 
I mean, I, yeah, I could put that as my third because of how visceral a reaction I had where I was just like, oh. And how, how much it was surprising when the sister like rolled over and saw it and didn't just let it happen. Yeah. yeah it's like, wait, yeah. what's up? What's going on? Like, uh, it was a uh, very much foreshadowing what was to come. Yeah. Oh, fuck. You're right. That should be three. Oh, uh, but yeah, she has like a handful of blood and she just like, licks oh, it up. Was, man. Like, oh, here we go. Like. I'm gonna probably watch that movie again now because it's just like it like see like sitting here like again I empathize with things too hard so like I know like it's gonna feel bad watching mm-hmm. it but like I kind of like that mm-hmm. and oh I love that but, like tension and that yeah. and, and, and like the ability to just walk away from it is so yeah. powerful too when you watch these kinds of movies I'm not gonna do that before my set tonight though <laughs> y'all I'm in a weird mood <laughs> Watch a 16-year-old lose her virginity and eat people <laughs> and then be given horrible parenting advice. <laughs> uh, so what are your final thoughts on uh, Raw? It's, it's a raw-ass movie. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, I, I couldn't recommend it enough. It's great. It, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just a great movie, um, which is odd. There aren't many movies that, like, I see now that I don't have a thing where it's like, oh, I wish it could have, it could have done without this thing and mm. I would have been happier. Mm-hmm. This one, I feel like, you know, it just hits all the spots that I wanted to hit. And you know, this is my favorite part. Honestly, it's not an absurdly long movie. Yeah, no, it's, it's perfect. It's like a great movie. You can like sit down and watch in a sitting and not feel like Jesus Christ, where is this going? Like, it's not a fast moving movie by any means, but it doesn't feel slow. Mm hmm. No, it definitely, it builds tension in the way it uses its music is, yeah. oh, that organ music. It's it, so yeah, good. It's so good. It's so like fun and 70s in a way too, like the over the top heavy handedness yeah. of it. I really enjoy. It kind of, it reminds me of uh, Suspiria. <gasps> I in was a lot just going to say that. Oh yeah. God, yeah. It's not as weird as Suspiria, mm-hmm. right? But like. Yeah, this definitely yeah has vibes of that. Yeah, for sure. But don't go into it looking for Suspiria. That's not what it is. It's no. something completely different. Yeah, I but feel weird that they're remaking Suspiria. I don't I really like, give a shit. You know. I, mean, I guess. I mean, it's I weird to re. It, it's a odd one to pick to remake. But at the end of the day, it's like you know I like that movie, and if they make this one, it's good, awesome. And if it doesn't, I'm not like a. I mean, if they remade a movie I cared about that was like that, I'd probably be like, oh, I get it. But for Suspiria, it was never like held dear to me or anything. So I'm like, "Mm." yeah, I guess it's not that I care so much about it. It's just that like there's so many stories to be told. And I feel like Hollywood is just cycling through and remaking everything. And it frustrates me. It's like when you can have a movie like Raw, why remake Suspiria? Like let's get some other shit out here. For sure. Okay. Where can people find out more about you? Um, you can go to my website, which is just austinsmart.com, uh, for show information, uh, find me on Instagram, uh, and my Instagram thing is Austin is smart. Oh yeah. There's two T's in my last name. It's S M A R T T. It's not Ooh. just a clever thing just to toss <laughs> that out there. Um, also so you can search it correctly cause it'll fuck up otherwise. And then if you want to follow me on Twitter, <laughs> I don't know why, but uh, again, it's just they Austin do. is smart. Yeah, <laughs> sure. Come on, y'all. Uh, <laughs> and then, uh, look, yeah, check out my podcast, really. That's the thing you should look up. It's Gender Fluids. Um, it's hilarious. Uh, we post an episode every Wednesday, and it's on fucking everything. It's on Spotify and iTunes and Stitcher and whatever. So just Gender Fluids. It's great. It's dirty. It's fun. Mm-hmm. You'll love it. Nice. It's been so fun talking to you. Yeah, That's been, been Austin Smart. I've been Kristen Lighty, and this has been Bloody Mary. Have a good night. Mm-hmm.